Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and coming up on Monday, the Seahawks take on the 8-0 San Francisco 49ers. That team leading the NFC West, leading the entire NFC, and the 49ers are coming off a Thursday night game where they got by the Arizona Cardinals 28-25. Here to talk about the upcoming game, the host of the Believe in 49ers on the Believe Podcast Network, former member of the 49ers, also a member of the Panthers, Broncos, Lions, a two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl 29 champion, all-pro cornerback Eric Davis. Appreciate you coming on ahead of the big matchup on Monday night between the 49ers and Seahawks. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. It's going to be some good football. We got two good teams going at it, and the 49ers, they, they keep improving. They make a big move near the trade deadline, getting Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos. In the two games since that move, Garoppolo's completed at least 75% of his passes. How big has that move been for them? Well, huge. They get a guy that, that um, makes that room better. He, ma- he makes the wide receiver room better. He makes the offense better. He makes the quarterback better. I, I said it when they drafted him, but you, you brought in a guy uh, that understands football. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders has played on multiple teams and, and multiple offenses, and he's been productive. That lets me know that his football acumen is high, that he understands how to read defenses. He understands. It's not, a, it's not as simple as just learning the playbook. Uh, you do you understand what's being asked of you within that defense facing defenses uh, that you're going to have to read on the run? He knows how to do those things, which allows him to adjust to a different offense, different system, different quarterback, uh, different verbiage, and still be able to be productive. I knew that they they needed that. So while they're bringing up the young guys, they have an opportunity now to see a vet do it. Um, at an efficient rate. So he's just kind of tapped right in, learning the game plans week to week and, and been able to be productive. So I think that was a big pickup. They needed, they needed a guy because it's more, to, it's more to being a number one than just the label. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, guys get that moniker as the number one receiver. Uh, and there's, and, and, you know, and then the general public believes that you have to look, a, look a certain way or, or, you know, to have a certain, um, mindset and voice in the locker room. It's all about production. I mean, cause look up in Seattle, nobody would expect Tyler Lockett to be a number one receiver. If you saw him walking down the street, but he damn sure is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. And I feel like that move, it kind of solidified one of the biggest weaknesses because everybody kind of talking about, you know, especially when the team is 8-0, you look and, and you point out, oh, well, where's the weakest point on the team? And I, I feel like wide receiver is one of the spots for the 49ers. What's left? What do you look at now in terms of weaknesses with that team? Oh, well, you know what I said before, see, I never really viewed it as a weakness. I just thought they were young. Sure. Um, and I still put that around the quarterback position. I, I, I sent out a tweet uh, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks now, and everyone lost their mind when I said that the 49ers, the weakest, uh, the weakest point on the 49ers team is a quarterback position. Uh, and I said, and he's pretty good. <laughs> and, and I, and I said that to say, and everyone was like, you're, you're like everybody else talking about Jimmy and, and he's not. And I said, no, no, no. I, I don't have any questions about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Jimmy Garoppolo's ability to be able to, you know, lead the offense and win a game if necessary. I've seen him do it when they needed him to come from behind and score, uh, just to, to uh, put a game away. He's done that. Um, he's made enough plays for them to be eight. No, he's been efficient. He's growing. He's learning. I just say 
don't call him the franchise quarterback. Everyone gives that starting. I said he's a starting quarterback, and we want to see if he's capable, if, if he's an efficient, capable, long-term starter. You can't just call a guy a franchise quarterback because he's a starter and he's paid a lot. Russell Wilson is a franchise quarterback. Franchise quarterbacks do something for your franchise. They give you time to compete for championships. They bring you championships. You uh, that that's what it. So Jimmy is growing at the position, um, and I, it's a good football team. So I still say the weakness of this team is the run is the quarterback position because Jimmy is still a work in progress, and as he goes, so go, so goes the team. Um, so so that's I'm, I'm kind of standing on that. The 49ers are a very very good football team. They flip the roster and they are a very good football team, top to bottom. But I, I think that's the weakness of the team. And as I said before. He's pretty damn good. Well, he's made a believer out of one of your former teammates and Hall of Fame Seahawks wide receiver Jerry Rice, uh, also a member of that Super Bowl 29 team. And yeah, I said that right. I, I claim uh, Jerry Rice is one of our Seahawks Hall of uh, Famers. You have no, you have no <laughs> right to do that whatsoever. You, who, you did, who did he play again. for last? <laughs> oh my goodness. Never, ever do that. Now, please don't remind anyone that Jerry Rice played for the Seahawks because that was embarrassing to everyone involved. Uh, I mean, I, I will never forget D'Angelo Hall jamming Jerry into the ground in a Seahawks uniform. So it never should have happened. Um, someone, and I, I blame the Seahawks organization for not saying no. You guys literally should have said no. At least Mike Shanahan said no to Jerry. Because, yes, he, he, he went to Denver and he said no, Jerry. So, I blame you guys for that. So no, you do not get to claim Jerry Rice. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, that's that's on Mike Holmgren. <laughs> he he should have known better. And and you know yeah. you know his his former coach there at the 49ers. He, he should have he just should have let it go. But but Rice was ready to pick a Super Bowl winner, and he said this past week that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. Are you ready to pick a winner for the Super Bowl at the midpoint of the season? Uh, I'm not ready to pick a winner at the Super Bowl, uh, winner of the Super Bowl at the midpoint, but I will say that if anyone is doubting uh, the ability of the 49ers to get there, if you are, if you cannot look at this roster uh, from top to bottom and see that they have the makings of uh, of a contender for a championship, then you you're just hating on them. Period. Yeah, you have to you have to get out of your head what this team was because they're not there. Uh, people need to get over the fact of the scheduling because I hear so much of that, and, and the perception is, well, they haven't played anyone, so they can't be po- they possibly can't be that type of football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the perception of the New England Patriots is that they are such a good organization that when they have the same type of soft schedule, so-called soft schedule, no such thing in NFL, but they have this so-called soft schedule, but but they just dominate teams. No one wants to give the 49ers credit for having a good football team. They they really do. So if is this team a contender in that and in, in you know in that voice? Yes, they are. Is is a they they are a team that I think has the ability if they continue to grow at the pace that they are growing, they have the ability to definitely be there uh, and be the last team standing. Well, and they are dominating teams. And that's what I look at as a Seahawks fan, too. A lot of these similar types of games that the Seahawks have been in close games with, the 49ers have been blowing teams out. And I, I don't know if that's whether or not it's, you know, the, the terms of talent or if it's in terms of Pete Carroll's coaching style. He loves playing in these close types of games. 
Uh, well, you know what? It could be, uh, you know, it could be either or. The, the fact is that the Seahawks are a very good football team that wins. You have to win games in, in multiple ways to be good. Um, you have you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. You have to be able to win the tough games on the road. You have to be able to maintain that lead when you are blowing the team out because they're having a bad day or you're just on that day. Can you keep your foot on the throttle and continue to just do the things that you do that you're supposed to do and not have that lull? So. I don't put I don't put more weight in a win that's by thirty points um, than I put in a win that's by three points. Everything happens for a reason. It's like people panicked the other night when the 49ers only won by three points. And I was like, guys, you gotta understand. Some teams play you just hard enough to lose. That's what that's what the Cardinals do. That's what the Cardinals have been. They're one of those clubs. Beating beating the 49ers and and, and and I'm going to take this back to Pete Carroll and, and his understanding of things and, and the way that team is built. But for the 49ers and Cardinals matchup, the 49ers and Cardinals, it's another game on the schedule each and every year, even though they've, they had previously lost the last eight games to them. The Cardinals playing the 49ers, it is, it's, it's a job keeper. It's, it's, it's a litmus test. You have an organization that hasn't done a damn thing ever. And they're, and they, they sort of measure themselves off of trying to get the trophies that the 49ers organization has. And I've gotten that straight from guys within that organization. So it's always a big game for that staff, that organization, that ownership period. They play you with a certain amount of emotions that it may be hard to bring on a Thursday night going against the Cardinals. It's, it's just, it's real. I'm, the Cardinals play Seattle that way. They are, they, they don't want to be the baby brother of the, of the division. And they're trying to get beyond that. So you, you want a game on the road on a short week. That's it. Pete teaches his guys that same thing. It doesn't matter. And I played for Pete. Pete was even, Pete is one of uh, he is one of my favorite coaches. He's one of the best. He's one of the best coaches I ever had in my life. He teaches you how to be a better football player. He teaches you how to utilize your skill set to maximize your talent. And you see that with this squad, the way he takes young players and and they can develop quickly because he can go individual player to player and trust what it is they do. And then he turns that over to them to continue to improve. But he also teaches you how to compete and how to understand the importance of just controlling what you can control. And at the end of the day, you're trying to compete and just walk away with the W. That's what Seattle does. It doesn't matter uh, whether you're up or down, the ebb of the flow of the game. That's a crew that's constructed from top to bottom to understand that you fight until it's over, no matter what. Mm -hmm. That's why they're rarely blown out where they play in those games. And you're right. That's a lot of Pete's style where you're going to go in and get ugly. <laughs> he doesn't mind if you, if you know, he doesn't mind if you getting a little bloody, you're getting your knuckles scratched up. He, you know, take some body blows. It's okay. It's good for you. It's good teaching. It's good for you to understand what it feels like to get punched. So, you know, just how hard you need to punch someone else. Yes. That, that is a part of Pete's style. Well, Pete has his own style and, Defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr. has his own style as well. Another former teammate of yours from that Super Bowl 29 yeah. team. How, how do you feel about how he's coaching the defense so far? Uh, you know, it's a lot like his personality, a lot of emotion. Um, you know, he's going to have fun playing football. He's going to compete hard. He's gonna, it's, it's, I, I like how, you know, you, you're going to see these guys 
uh, do some unorthodox things. Uh, He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. He didn't as a player mind um, stepping outside of the lines, not sticking to the script uh, as long as he was able to make a play. That was something that we all did. It was, it's almost incumbent upon you to make that play when you see that you can break the rules of the defense without destroying the integrity of the defense and putting someone else in harm's way to make a play. You better do that. And if not, you're not really helping the team. You're not really helping your, your, your huddle. And I think he coaches that way because you can see some guys do some things where they may necessarily jump out of, you know, the gap that they're supposed to be in, or they may jump a route that they weren't supposed to jump. But you just want to do that with, with some, with an education behind it. You, you want to have a reason for doing those things and be able to explain that reason. And that freedom I think it, it allows teams to be better. It allows it allows um, a, a unit to be able to show an offense, an offensive coordinator, something that they weren't prepared for. Because you can't plan on uh, that guy, uh, you, you know, breaking scheme at a certain time. And and that's that's something that I think that that he that Pete preaches, and I think that. Ken is doing a very good job of that as well. And, and the guys, you, you can never say that they're not playing hard. It's rare that you're going to see something happen that's not sound. Um, you know, if a guy gets beaten, then, yeah, you, that's what you do. You make them beat you fair and square. And, and that's what he coaches. And, you know, that, I, I like that part of it. And there's a contrast, though, between these two teams and the defensive lines going into this game. The 49ers defensive yeah. line getting after the quarterback, the Seahawks, you know, barely into double digit sacks on the season. Let's take a quick break. I want to come back and talk about what the Seahawks can do to try and put some pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo and this 49ers offense on Monday. Former All-Pro cornerback and Super Bowl 29 champion Eric Davis joining the show this week to preview the Monday night matchup between the 49ers and Seahawks. Eric is the co-host of the Believe in 49ers podcast. And going into this game on Monday night, the Seahawks have been struggling to put pressure on the quarterback among the bottom teams in the NFL in that area. What can what can the Seahawks do on their defensive line to try and, and get some pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo in this game? Uh, well, you, what you're going to do, you, you, you have to just send more people. Teams have tried to send, uh, you know, more people. After the offensive line is playing well, even even down, and now they're going to get, you know, get some of their um, starters back. Uh, but the offensive line has played very well. If you had to pick a, if you had to pick a unit that would be the MVP of the team, uh, most, you know, what what jumps out is that defensive line because it's flashy, but the offensive line. Uh, the way they've been protecting the quarterback, the way the running game has been going, even with the injuries, you got to give them a lot of credit. Um, it's difficult. Jimmy gets the ball out quickly. Kyle Shanahan sets it up that way to where you have to be concerned with the run, and that's going to slow down your your running backs. But now, off of that same run action, he's going to he's going to get the ball out of Garoppolo's hand. Who Garoppolo doesn't have the strongest arm, but he does have a quick release. He gets it out so. You're going to have to try to send more guys at him, uh, try to do some blitzing. It's hard to just get up there with uh, four guys the way the 49ers can. And, and that's just that's just the difference right now. Um, for a lot of years, the Seahawks had a group of guys that had played together, understood what they were doing, mm-hmm. and the way they played on the back end of they, their defense, it allowed them to be able to get to the quarterback 
with with that with just four people because they could take away the first you know or second read in the secondary from the quarterback in the passing routes. The four deniers are capable of doing that, and they just have some guys that can hunt. So you're going to try to you're going to have to find a way to get more pressure on Garoppolo uh, and send more guys. That's what I would do, and I would make him continue to show me that he can beat you throwing the ball from the pocket. Well, flipping over to the Seahawks offense, in your Wednesday episode of Believe in 49ers, you said you'd give Russell Wilson the MVP at this point of the season. What, so what is it that you're seeing out of Wilson this year that puts him ahead of everyone else in the league? Uh, Russell Wilson has taken oh, he has taken charge of his team. I saw him when he first started. Uh, when he was coming in and, you know, I was announcing for the 49ers. I was their, you know, their game day announcer. So I saw how the ball was in Russell's hands only long enough to give it off, to hand it off to beast mode, <laughs> or you would have some short passing routes. It was nothing to where we're going to try and put this game on Russell's shoulders. He has grown to where this is no longer allow the running game and the defense to set you up and take care of you, this is now, we need you to go out and win a game. And he has accepted that challenge. He, he, now, when you think about the Seattle Seahawks, you think about it as Russell's team. Not a defensive team, not Beastmo's team. Uh, that, that transformation has happened, and it is so effective that teams now understand that this guy can scramble, he can extend drives, he can make plays with his arms, with his legs, he's confident, Defenses are confident. Defensive coordinators are confident that he can come back and beat you if he's not already ahead. It's that mindset. And on top of that, the pressure of the new contract. So there are a lot of players that feel that pressure to be Superman because you have that new contract. You're the highest paid whatever. There's pressure involved with that when all the eyes are on you. He has taken all of it in stride and doesn't even look phased by it. And it has continued to not only lift his game, but the game of the players around him. I mean, you, you know, you have deep, you have Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as his outside threats, and everyone's saying it's going to be an issue. Doesn't look like an issue. He's finding ways for those guys to put those guys in position to make plays. That's why I think you look at where the team is, uh, the type team that it was. Th- this organization was built on defense and running the ball. It has sort of switched and flipped over to where it is now Russell's team, and they are right in the hunt. This is a team that you can't count out for a championship. That's MVP type work in my case, in, in my opinion. So, who's the guy that Russell has to worry about most on that 49ers defense on Monday night? Pick a guy. <laughs> you, you pick. You pick a guy. They're, they're, they, they no. This. This. It's no joke. This defense is good as advertised. People. The only people I who don't the know most. Real I, I want, there's so many to worry about. I want, I want the number one I, guy to worry about. I can't give it to you. It's whoever <laughs> it's whoever they call that play for. It they have they have six, seven guys in their defensive front that could be starters. That's no lie, that's no exaggeration. That there there that there's no way that, that that entire rotation of D linemen uh, can't be starters around the NFL. So that's why it comes in waves and it never stops. Uh yeah, those all those all that first round equity that they put into those big boys, they're they're coming to hunt, and they they understand. I mean, they're they are 
they, they are talented players that understand that they have talented players next to them. The trade for, for Ford outside, drafting Bosa, you have guys coming off the edge. It, it is in, it's crazy how quickly D Ford can get from stop start to stopping on your quarterback. It's, it's incredible some of the jump-offs that he gets and how little time he will give a quarterback to be able to make some plays. All, all the love is going to Bosa, and rightfully so, but D Ford causes so much so and so many problems on there. Now uh, you, you go to the linebacker position. Even Quan Alexander is going to be a big loss because I believe that that was the pulse, the heartbeat of the defense. He brought a certain energy. Uh, but uh, Warner and Greenlaw, and every, these guys can still play. They're fast. Everyone's fast. Every, everybody on this is a game where everyone on defense is going to be as fast as Russell, as quick as Russell, even these D linemen. They're, they're going to be pretty close to it. Um, they're long. They're rangy. I'm not exaggerating when I say there's really no major holes in that defense. They they are really, really one of the best units, even after what happened um, <laughs> in Arizona. It's going to happen. Russell's going to make some plays because he's a mobile quarterback, and no one stops mobile quarterbacks like Russell. So he'll be fine. But you got to worry about everybody on that defense because there's not there's not a hole in it. There's not a, a guy you can say – pick on this guy and we get easy wins. There are no easy wins versus that defense. And that's not an exaggeration. He's all pro quarterback, Eric Davis, host of the believe in 49ers. And that's on the believe podcast network. Eric, if they want to check out the show, I know you guys are going to be talking about this upcoming game. Where do people tune in? Uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast, that's just it. Believe in 49ers. Just look us up. You check it out. Um, follow me on Twitter, underscore Eric Davis, underscore. I finally got back on there. Um, I had to I had to take a Twitter vacation. I just shut everything down. But I'm back. Slowly but surely. I might need so one too, man. I, 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 it's a hard place to be. When I when I see the Seahawks 7-2 and two, and I see people complain and then still making comments about Pete Carroll being negative, it's a hard place to be sometimes. Uh, well, you know what? It, it's yeah, it, it can be, but it's some. Sometimes I, um, I, you know, like this morning I got up and you know, and I, I put, you know, I was talking about my midseason MVPs right now. So now you have to go into all the explanations as to why it's not a guy from my team, <laughs> <laughs> and, and why would you put this guy over that guy and all that. So, but so it's fine. I enjoy it, but and that's why I say so. If 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 you. If you don't know where to get it, I'll put it. I'll post on there how to get to the website and how to get to the podcast. But yeah, it's fun. Uh, back at it, and uh, we'll, we'll be doing more. Thanks for having me, man. A big thanks to Eric Davis at underscore Eric Davis underscore. Follow him on Twitter. Let him know what a great pick he has for NFL MVP right now. And looking at the injury report before we get on out of here, the Seahawks may have some issues protecting their potential MVP quarterback, Dwayne Brown. Out of practice on Thursday with a biceps and knee injury. He's been nursing that for the last few weeks. Joey Hunt showing up on the injury report with a hip injury. He did not practice on Thursday, so we can expect Jordan Roos, likely the man in there getting backup snaps with Hunt sitting out of practice. Another offensive lineman, Mike Upati, listed as back and foot injuries, a limited participant in practice on Thursday. Two other names on offense, Luke Wilson, limited participant in practice with a rib injury. Wide receiver Josh Gordon added to the 53-man roster. Gary Jennings, the fourth-round pick, let go. He did not make it to the practice squad. He was picked up off waivers by the Miami Dolphins. 
but in the coming days, we'll see if Gordon can get some work in and potentially play in that Monday night game. Injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Jadevian Clowney sitting out of practice with a toe and knee injury. Safeties Quandre Diggs and Leno Hill, limited participants in practice. Quandre Diggs still with the hamstring issue. Hill with the elbow. Hopefully the Seahawks can get defensive end Quentin Jefferson back into the rotation this week. He was a limited participant in practice with his oblique injury. And K.J. Wright on the injury report with a knee injury, a limited participant on Thursday. Three other names not injury-related and participating in a limited basis on Thursday. Bobby Wagner, Tyler Lockett, and Chris Carson. Stay tuned right here. I'm sure we'll have another show coming out this weekend ahead of Monday's matchup with the San Francisco 49ers. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. And if you want to help support the show, you can go to glow.fm forward slash flock, G-L-O-W.fm forward slash flock. And for supporting the show there, I'll give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Thanks for sharing the show with your friends. And we'll be back here soon to talk more Seahawks football. <laughs>